0: I was uh, saved the second Sunday of October, 1958, in Akron, Ohio, and uh, after I got saved, I went to uh, Midwestern Baptist College, where I met Brother Molyneux's dad. And uh, at first we were students together, and then he became one of my professors. And so uh, I'm glad to see him again. And I just uh, trust that uh, you not be afraid of obedience. Um, I trust you let God speak to your heart. Uh, We have a ministry called First Bible International. And um, the goal of that ministry is to get the Bible where it's never been before. I got my first Bible in 1947. To save you the math, I'm 76 years old. And I was a seven-year-old boy riding a Sunday school bus. In the city of Akron, <clears throat> and in our class of boys, they was about everybody had a Bible. We didn't have a Bible, my brother and I. So we said to our dad, Would you buy us a Bible? And he said, No, I won't buy you a Bible. He wasn't against us having a Bible, but he had a work ethic and thought we'd appreciate it more if we had an investment in it. And so my brother and I, we went to, we lived in a project area of Akron, Ohio, and we went through the project there and picked up all the scrap uh, 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 car parts that people had left lay after repairing their cars. My dad took us to the uh, scrap dealer and we sold the scrap for whatever amount it was. I do not know now. Went to the Christian bookstore at the Akron Baptist Temple and uh, said to Mrs. Ellis, write the pastor's secretary. Now we were bus boys and looked the part. I promise you that. And uh, she said, well, we, we, I said, we, uh, we'd like to have two Bibles, please. We, we go to Sunday school here now, and uh, the boys in our class have one, and we don't. And we were wondering if uh, you could uh, help us with two Bibles. And she gave us a lot more Bible than we had money, by the way. And she said, well, boys, what kind of Bible would you like? And honestly, I said, uh, we don't know anything about Bibles, but the boy next to us had a zipper on his. And we'll take two zipper editions if you have any of those left. <laughs> That's my, the story of my first Bible. Now, you've got a story of your first Bible. You might not remember it, but it was the time when you got your first Bible, it might have been in the nursery at the hospital a, a blue or a pink, depending on the condition at the time of your arrival. Um, you might have got it from the Gideons. Maybe you got it when you got married, but you have a first Bible story. Do you know that 3.7 billion people on earth do not have a first Bible story? The reason is they've never had a first Bible. Because their language does not have a Bible in their language. God, when I realized that, it cost me my church of 35 years. I pastored for 35 years, a good church. Your pastor was not there when I was there, but he was there later and did a great job for us. But I resigned my church in 1999 and started a ministry called First Bible International with a goal of getting the people the Bibles never had the Bible. Of course, I'll never finish that task in my lifetime, but I intend to make a little dent in it. We just finished... Translating a Bible for the Mongolian language. So uh, that's what we do, and that's our heart. And that's why we're here today, to encourage you in the work of the Lord. And I want to go, please, if you would, to uh, Genesis chapter 1. And I'd like to read at verse 26, and then I'll read down there for a little while. And then I'll go to chapter 2 and read a verse or two, and then I'll make my prayer. And God said, verse 126... Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle and over all, earth, all the earth, and over every cre- uh, creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, please, would you go to verse 15 of chapter 2. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Basically, when God told Adam in verse 15 to dress the garden, that was the first indication of a a, a, a world responsibility. Um, What he told Adam was, reproduce what you are and give him a good place to live. That's what he said. Dress the garden, reproduce what you are and give him a good place to live. This is kind of the first worldwide responsibility. Uh, His assignment would be accomplished through the obedience to the word of God. His assignment would be his priority. His assignment would cost him if he didn't do it and cost others if he didn't do it. I'm trying to show you that's kind of what all the great commissions about. God wanted to use him, but he wasn't necessary. Because when he sinned, God started to use somebody else, and I'll show you that in just a moment. God had not restricted to using only Adam because you somebody else. May I suggest to you that we need to understand today that we have a a great commission, a world evangelism challenge, and it's the oldest challenge in human history. It's the biggest challenge in human history. Stop and think about that. Is there any other command that involves everybody in the world? If you're a car salesman, you wouldn't try to sell cars to those in the jungle. But the Great Commission is the largest job we have, therefore we must all be a part of it. The Great Commission is first in the church's assignment because God made it first. The Great Commission is first because it's the oldest of the commissions. Now I want to give you some things to think about if you let me. The Great Commission was given to, the, to mankind four times. Most time we think, when we think of the Great Commission, we think of uh, Jesus standing outside uh, uh, the tomb. And he, didn't, he really didn't give it there, but he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That was the fourth time God had instructed man to do what I just said. First of all, God gave the Great Commission to Adam. And here he, he, he told Adam, he said, I want you to start in Eden and reach the world. He said, I'm you start in Eden and reach the world. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish Eden? No, the earth. So the Great Commission has to do with uh, starting where we are and going to the ends of the earth. It kind of sounds like Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to me. Uh, so he, he uh, uh, and when he failed, uh, God handed that Great Commission. To Noah. Would you go to chapter 9 and verse 1 just for a minute? When, when Adam failed and uh, didn't do what he should have done, what the Lord did, he handed that re- same responsibility to Noah in chapter 9 and verse 1. Now watch it. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Same thing, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That's the second time God has given the Great Commission to mankind. First of all, to Adam, now to Noah. And of course, we know that Noah failed. Now go to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. And let me show you that. Noah failed, and so what did God do? Then he gave the great commission to Abraham. Now look at chapter 12 and verse 1. I'll show you that. Noah, uh, now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house in the land I will show thee. And I will make of thee a... a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And watch it. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. What's that? That's exactly the same thing he told Adam and, and what, he, what he told Noah. Adam failed. And the flood came. Noah failed. And they were scattered. I'll get to that in a moment. Abraham failed, and, and they, they were dispersed to Babylon. But you know what the Lord didn't do? He didn't quit. He gave the commission one more time. He didn't give it to Adam. He didn't give it to Noah. He didn't give it to Abraham. He, uh, he gave it to you. And I'll just quote this verse because you know it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Same thing that Adam was told, same thing that Noah was told, same thing that Abraham was told. Now we're being told that, that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Every attempt at the Great Commission has been man-led. Adam led it. Noah led it. Abraham led it. And now Christ is leading it. So we have a, I have wonderful news for you. We live in the best time there is to get it done because we have the best leader. Jesus Christ is our leader. Uh, uh, And we live in, he's our high priest. Uh, The Holy Spirit of God indwells us. We have a whole Bible. What are you trying to say, Brother Keene? I'm trying to say that we're in the best time in the world to get the job done because we have the greatest leader that we're working under. And we have the most tools to work with. We have great spiritual advantages. We have the, he's our high priest. They didn't have him for high priest. They didn't have a whole Bible. Some had no Bible. Then some had some Bible. We have all the Bible. All the Bible ever written is on your lap. So we have a whole Bible. We have the high priesthood. We have Christ. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Other generations didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Other times didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We're indwelt by the Spirit of God. We have all the Word of God. We're led by the Son of God. He's our high priest. We have great spiritual advantage and why is the world still half unreached in our day? Then we have some great uh, technology to help us. We live in the information age. Now a lot of this stuff I can't operate, but I'll tell you what I've got. I've got an iPhone, smartphone. I had no idea all I can do. My daughter yesterday in Dubai, we have a daughter in Africa who's a missionary, her and her husband, five kids, girls. She called, she said, Dad, I'm on my way home from, she'd been to India where her daughter's a missionary with her husband. She said, I'm on my way home from India and I didn't want to call and tell you hi. I said, where are you at, honey? She said, Dubai, on a cell phone. When I was a kid I used to watch Dick Tracy talk into his wrist and get so excited. <laughs> you seen that, didn't you? Can you believe that? We have smartphones, we have satellite. We have email. We have I'm not, I am do not even know, know all this stuff. We have social media. We have Twitter. We have blog. We have Facebook. We have uh, Hey, by the way, we put a man on the moon. Would you tell me how we justify not getting a man to Mongolia when we get a man on the moon? You know, we have all this travel. I go to Mongolia. Mongolia's halfway around the world. It used to take four months to get there. Now we get there in less than two days, and if you're going farther in Mongolia, you're coming home. Think about that. Two days and you'd be coming home. From the farthest place on earth. Probably nobody here's been to Mongolia. I doubt it. First time I went, I wasn't gonna go back. They're dirty, immoral, gross. Uneducated, live on half of them live on camels. I told me he said you never plant a church in Mongolia unless you learn how to put a a, 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 a pew on the back of a camel because they all just they're all moving around. But I went there and I said, God, I could never love these people. I mean, I'm don't take this long. I'm from West Virginia and I've seen some pretty base living. But I could never love these people and the Lord said to me you don't have to just love me I love them through you now if I was a young man and I'm lots closer to the marble of the tomb than I am birth but if I was a young man I'd go to Mongolia Christ said to me these are those for whom I died and God loves them and God loves the world. <clears throat> we have all kinds of things. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know about this stuff. We have uh, a world economy. When I was a boy, all you had to worry about is what you had in your pocket. Now you've got to worry about what them Chinese have of ours in their pocket. Amen. Thank you, Brother King. <laughs> we have world economy. We have outsourcing. Like it or not, it's here. That could be a tool. We have international workforce. We have immigration. We have uh, all those things. There are no closed countries. Some are restricted and harder to get to than others. But we can reach any place on earth. Top of that, we're living longer. I want to ask you a question. And I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm talking to my church and you and me and And my wife, too. Why is the world? 3.7 billion of us on earth. Without the gospel. Without a church. Without a Bible. When we live in the greatest generation to get it done of any. Half the world has never fought over Christian music. I don't fight over it. I don't know what I. I don't enough about music to fight over it. I just like what I like and let you like what you like. And if you don't like it, that's tough. We fight over half the world's never fought fought over a Bible version. Now I'm a keen King James man. I'm not debating that with anybody. I wouldn't. All I'm saying is they never fought over a version. They never fought over music. Half the world's never had a church split. All those things are good, except half the world's never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And like those, uh, like those uh, men and kings said, we do, Those lepers said, we don't do well sitting here. If we sit here, we die, and they die. So what's the point, brother King? The point is, we need to understand the world needs the gospel, and it's to be our priority. Um can I have you give you this point right here Not doing the great commission is the most damaging thing that man could ever do Not doing the great commission is the most damaging thing that men could ever do Bubonic plague in the in the dark ages wiped out half 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 of Europe That's but not doing the Great Commission, we're damaging that. Because if we do the Great Commission, half the world's going to go to hell, and they never know about hell. They get there. I'm too young, but I remember the stock market crash. My dad was in that. He said he, we live in West Virginia in the hills. We didn't know we had one until we come out of there several years later and found out that he's having a hard time out there. And we are living off the farm farm, so we was okay. But the stock market people shot themselves and committed suicide. That was bad but Adam didn't do what he should have done and think of the damage it brought to him and those after him. So not doing the Great Commission brings earthly damage. Then, not doing the Great Commission brings eternal damage. Just how many people go to heaven without the gospel? It's exclusive, isn't it? Nobody gets there without the gospel. And And who's supposed to get it there? We are. And if we don't get it there then they die and go to hell. And so uh, those that don't get the gospel that we're supposed to give them, they have eternal damage. In some ways, maybe the third reason I'm going to give you is uh, uh, maybe uh, more severe than the first two. We we pay if we don't do it. Those that don't get it, they go to hell because we didn't do it. And if we don't do it, then God goes without worship, He desires. How many people does God want worship by? He wants worship by every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. He wants worship by every creation, every creature. Those that die and go to hell, He'll never get what He wants from them. That's their worship. And right now half the world is dying and going to hell and will never worship their creator that he deserves and wants. I used to think missions was to get people saved, and it is. But even more than that, missions is designed to get God worshiped. I used to try to get people to go to the missions because they love the heathen. Who are you trying to kid? We don't even love each other hardly. And and you're not going to give up America and give up your family and give up your funds for a pagan living in a tent in a filthy part of our world. We're not going to do that. I'll tell you who we'll do it for. We have a daughter in Africa. Been her 25 years. Most of the years, the seats are empty where they would sit at the holidays because they're not there. Now can I tell you this and you might not think I'm a good Christian I'm probably not but I'm honest. I don't love Africans enough to give my daughter for them. So you're not a good Christian I'm honest. I don't think you do either. My daughter Joy who was in Africa 10 years when she was 4 years old I bought her a little baby called Mrs. Beasley did I ever tell you that story? She loved Mrs. Beasley. I mean, she, you know, like Linus in her blanket. Drug that thing around uh, by its leg until the cotton fell out. Sometimes she'd lose Mrs. Beasley. Now, I'm Dr. Charles Keene, pastor of First Baptist Church, Milford, Ohio. Four honorary doctor's degrees. I've written three books, and I'm somebody. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keene. But my daughter's crying because she's lost... Mrs. Beasley, and this high fluting preacher. If you'd come to the house and say, at, at, during that time, say to my wife, Mary, where's Dr. King? She might say, He's under the shrubs in his tie. What's he doing under there? Looking for Mrs. Beasley. Come again. Where's the preacher? He's in the trunk of the car in a fetal position. What's he doing there? Looking for Mrs. Beasley. Come again. Where's the preacher? He's in. The garbage can up to his waist, certain through that looking for Miss, yeah. You say, You must really love Mrs. Beasley. I don't give a flip for Mrs. Beasley. And she's a great inconvenience to me, too. <laughs> but I love somebody that loves Mrs. Beasley. And more than one time I've, come, I've sat with a, on the couch, on our sofa, uh, having Mrs. Beasley on my lap, and she'd come down the hallway around the corner. And clap her hands and run and hug Mrs. Beasley. Isn't that a hokey story? Well, I would have send Mr. Secure Old Man, cry over something like that. But there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. And they're lost and they're dirty and they're vile. But they're loved by the God of heaven. And I'm not going to send my kids to Africa and my grandkids to India for Indians. I've been in India a lot of times. I like India, by the way. 'm I'm, I'm not spending holidays without my family for Indians and Mongolians and Africans, but I know somebody loves Indians and Africans and Mongolians, and he rejoices when one gets saved. I've been going to Mongolia for a lot of years I only had one convert in all the years I've been there and I don't think he I don't think he was real, but the other day a man came from India. To, to see me, and he said, Brother Keen, I was praying for a guy in India named Yogi who was a Buddhist and a kind of leader of the community, an older man about my age. And I prayed a long time for Yogi to get saved. And Mickey Kofer Keen said, uh, We just left India where they're missionaries, I mean, uh, Mongolia where they're missionaries. And I said, Guess what, Brother Keen? Yogi got saved. That's worth all that praying, all that going. Because one, there's joy now in, the, in, the, in God's heart because one of his creation has come home. Did you ever read that verse in the Bible? Blessed are the, is the death of the saints in the sight of the Lord. Did you ever read that verse? I, I know I've got to quit, but I want to tell you what that verse means. You know why he's blessed when one of us dies? Because we're going home. But stop and think how many die every day it's not going home. Three a second, they say, die every day in this world. And most of them are going to hell, not home. So he's so glad when what Christ died for, some are coming his way. And yogi will now be going that way. So what I'm trying to say, Brother Keene, I'm trying to say the solution to the unreached world is not more dollars. Uh, we need more dollars. The solution is not uh, more men going. We need more men going. The solution is a love for God. He said to Peter, Simon, lovest thou me? Yeah. Then go buy a bigger boat. Get a bigger net. Hire more men for the ship. Fish longer hours. He didn't say that, did he? If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, keep my commandments. And the key one is world evangelism. If you love me. He said if, if we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, body, soul and strength, the result of that is you're going to love your neighbor. What, our, what we need and what I need what I need, what, what we need we need to love him more. We need to love him enough to give up anything he asked because he gave up his son. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Jesus was rich and he became poor that we through his poverty might be rich. If he do that for me, would I do that for him? Would you do that for him? What's the point, Brother Keene? The point is the world needs the gospel. The world needs to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. I quit when I tell you this because my time is over. We ought to count on the privilege to be the ones counted to carry it. Because those too many people waiting to get it, and we've got it. I got a, the second of October, 1958. My wife and I in Akron, Ohio, went to church, Akron Baptist Temple. Heard the preacher preach, Dallas Billington. I looked at her; she looked at me, and we went down the aisle. And I'll never forget that. They never. I think about it every day. Had a hole in the heel of my sock about the size of a lemon. The devil said to me, What are you going to say about that hole in your sock? I said, Devil, I'm worried about the hole in my soul. I'm, go- I'm going down there and I'm if I went and got saved. So, what's the point, preacher? The point is, I have it. Now I need to give it. You know, I need to give three things I need to give my silver, myself, and my seed. I ask you today are you saved maybe today you're the mission field we'll work with maybe today we don't have to go to mongolia or india or someplace else maybe today we just come here and reach out to you and give you the gospel the death and the burial and the resurrection of jesus christ